0: this morning about what what to pray pray and our our goal of praying. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, just beginning from verse 1. and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought always to give thanks to God for you brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you are also suffering And may fulfill every resolve for good, and every work of faith by his power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you, and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul had planted this church in Thessalonica. You can read about that in Acts 17. And as these people were coming to faith in Jesus Christ, Paul, Timothy and Silas, they were sent away abruptly because of the trouble that was being stirred through their message of proclaiming Jesus as King. The locals said that that Paul and Silas had turned the world upside down. They accused them of acting against the decrees of Caesar saying that actually there is another king, Jesus. So Paul did not spend long there. and He moved on to Berea. The Jews from Thessalonica followed him. So they moved on again to Athens, but they sent Timothy back to Thessalonica to encourage the new believers. We see that in 1 Thessalonians 3. But it would seem then that when Timothy returned with a report, Paul, who's now in Corinth, he wrote the first letter to this church. And then after delivering the first letter, it would seem that Paul received another report and so wrote the second letter um, about six months later. And both 1st and 2nd Thessalonians contain... um, Similar themes, the same themes really. By all accounts, they are very encouraging letters to these new believers. In, In both letters, Paul encourages them in their afflictions. He teaches them on the second coming of Christ. And in both letters, he addresses the problem of laziness within the church and second thessalonians begins in, in a typical style with thanksgiving and prayer and that's what i want us to focus on this morning so do keep your bibles open at the passage we read don carson says this he says thanksgiving is a fundamental component of the mental framework that largely controls Paul's intercession. So in other words, what Paul is thankful for in the life of these new believers will be what drives his praying. What Paul is thankful for will be the content of of his praying. So what is Paul thankful for? Well, firstly, verse 3, he is thankful because their faith is growing abundantly and their love for each other is increasing. Secondly, he is thankful that they are persevering under trial. Look at verse 4. We ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness or patience and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. Now verse 3 to 10 is all one thought, which, which means that all the ideas within these verses are... Linked. So we could say, because their faith is growing and their love for one another is increasing, they were able to stand under trial. Paul is very thankful for this, and he can't help but speak about this to the other churches that he visits. And I can identify with this a, a little. As I go to speak in other churches in our association, to give update on what God is doing in Craigavon, I will always begin with thanksgiving for what God is doing among us, and then move on to some prayer requests. It, it just seems so natural that, that I want to tell others of what God has been doing—the the, the signs of faith, the, the displays of, of unity among us, expressions of love for one another to be encouraged I do do that and it's not difficult for me to do that Paul goes on in verses 5 to 10 and he goes on to say that the fact they are growing in faith while suffering hardship is evidence of what God is doing in their life God is making them worthy or fit For the kingdom of God. Now the kingdom of God here is referring to the ultimate, final kingdom when when Jesus Christ returns. Their suffering, their affliction, is evidence of what God will do in the end. God will keep them. He will protect them. He will perfect them. Make them like Jesus. And when that is done, they will have relief from all suffering. Now note, it is their suffering that is evidence of what God is doing in their life. Okay, this sounds in stark contrast to any. We may say that that health or wealth or success or happiness are evidence of what God is doing in our lives. And while God's people will have relief, God's enemies, and here it is those who afflict God's people, those who, verse 8, do not know God and do not obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, They will be repaid for their rejection of Jesus and their treatment of God's people. Verse 9, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. And Paul says this is God's righteous and just judgment. Okay, so those, those who believe that Jesus has, has died for their sin, has taken the judgment and punishment for their sin, although they may suffer now, they will have relief for all eternity. But those who do not believe in Jesus now, and so have not had their sin paid for, even though it seems they may have won up now they will suffer then and for eternity as they then receive God's right and just punishment for their sin. So what Paul is really doing here in verses 5 to 10 he is, is drawing the believers in Thessalonica to grasp an eternal perspective. He wants them to view all of now in light of then. Now, these first 10 verses, they, they're very, uh, very important for us as we think about how Paul prays. Because in verse 11, we read, To this end we always pray you okay to what end that your faith growing until you're like jesus christ when he returns to that end and it's now we're going to see the connection between thanksgiving and prayer so what paul is thankful for that is their their faith growing and evidence of what god will complete on the final day These are the very things he prays for these believers. He prays with an eternal mindset that their faith will grow. So before we think more about this, it's it's important that we pause for a moment and ask ourselves this morning... um, What are we most thankful for in life? What are we most thankful for in life? So we're seeing that the thanksgiving is fundamental to the framework or to the content of our prayers. So it's important we ask ourselves, what are we most thankful for? Another way to ask this is what do you value most in life? I used to accompany quite a few singing exams. And quite a number of years ago now, I was accompanying a little girl, she was primary age, and she was doing her grade two flute exam. And one of the pieces didn't go so well for her. But mum was outside, of course, listening to how she was getting on and of course she heard that one of the pieces didn't go so well and when the child came out mum brought the little girl to the side and and she got down on her knees so she was eye level with, with the little girl and she said now you listen to me you listen to me she said this will not affect you getting a place at university and you will not be thinking about this on your wedding day now I did something similar to you I was sniggering to myself and probably the mum was right the B 2 flute exam was not going to affect her place in the university and perhaps she is married now I don't know but if she got married I'm quite sure she wasn't thinking about it on her wedding day but it is revealing isn't it Because it showed that what this mum, what this person valued highly in her daughter's life. I am guessing that that what this mum would be most thankful for is, is if her daughter received a place at university and if she gets married. And we have to wonder how this response might have been different with an eternal mindset And with a focus on this daughter growing in fear, What are we most thankful for? What do we value most in life? I think it's helpful for those of us who have children to think what are we most thankful for in their lives. Perhaps education, health, the meeting of milestones the opportunity for marriage, the opportunity for job progression. And this will often be revealed in how we pray. Do your prayers primarily primarily consist of requests for health and better jobs and partners and so on? I have to say it's really encouraging to speak to many of you who have Children who do not know God. And and very clearly your focus is on faith and eternity. And we want to reflect this in our prayers for each other. I want to say at this point, if, if you do not know God, if you do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, if you do not believe in eternity, one of relief and one of destruction, Well, I want to encourage you, too, to ask yourself some questions. Is there eternity? What do you value most in life? And where will this lead you? Well, let's come to verses 11 and 12 and see how Paul prays. Firstly, verse 11, Paul prays that our God may make you worthy of his calling. Now, Paul is not praying here that they would reach a certain level of worthiness so that God can call them. He is praying that what God has already called them to be, that they would become. Think of Romans 8. Also, which is in the context of prayer, which we can sometimes miss. But Paul says in Romans 8, Those whom God foreknew, foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called... And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. God called us to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And that happens day by day through our Christian life. We are transformed from glory to glory. We're becoming more like Jesus until we see him and will be finally like him. We will then be worthy. We we will then have become what God has called us to be. And here we see that the great power of the gospel, that it, it changes us to become what we were not. Paul prays that God would continue to make these believers more like Jesus Christ. It's interesting, isn't it? Because Paul doesn't pray that God would ease their persecution. Paul doesn't pray that God would take them out of the situation. I mean, that, that day will come, they will have relief. But Paul prays that God would make them worthy of their calling. His focus is their holiness. That in their affliction, in their suffering, they would grow in faith, become more like Jesus. So if we apply this to ourselves, what do we pray when our kids kids are struggling in school, educationally or socially? What do we pray when when someone in our fellowship is ill? What do we pray when we are struggling financially? What do we pray when we're just tired and fed up? Well, we pray with eternity in mind that those struggling in school, those facing ill health, those facing financial insecurity and so forth, that God would make them worthy of their calling. That in their current circumstance, they would be growing in faith. Is it wrong to pray for better relationships, for improved finances, for healing? No, I don't think so. But let's be careful as we pray together that we're not selling a prosperity gospel by the way. We pray that our whole focus is health and here and now and so forth. You see, as those who know God, as those who have been called by God to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ, we have a much greater vision. The second thing that Paul prays, is that God may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. Now, other translations are helpful here for us. Another says that he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. Or another again, may he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. So Paul here is presupposing that when people know God, once they have faith in Jesus Christ, then this produces a new way of thinking, new plans, new ideas, new goals. Paul prays that, 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 that those desires that you have that spring from faith in Christ, that by God's power, those desires would be fulfilled. So, for example, before you had faith in Jesus, um, you may not have had a strong desire to perhaps restore a broken relationship or to reach out in forgiveness. But but now that you are a Christian, you now desire to offer forgiveness and see healing in relationships. We need to pray that by God's power, he would do that. Or perhaps before you had faith in Jesus Christ, you were not aware of many sinful patterns in your life. And so you had no real desire to change. But now you are a Christian, you, you long to see sinful patterns put to death in your life. We need to pray that by God's power that would happen. Or perhaps before you had faith in Jesus Christ, you, you had no desire to see family members or neighbours or work colleagues come to know God. But, but now you are a Christian, your, your desire is to be a witness to them through your words and actions and, and see them come to know God through faith in Jesus Christ. We need to pray that, that by God's power that would happen. Paul recognises that, that these desires, these efforts of faith will only come to pass by god's power and so he he prays that god's power would bring this about we had an encouraging evening a few weeks ago and discussing together how we might reach the lost in craigavon that is a desire that that comes from faith and will only come about by god's power And I think this would be a helpful exercise to to do again to discuss wider issues perhaps that, that spring from faith in Jesus Christ so that we can pray together for God's power to bring these about and perhaps even help each other to discern which desires are springing from faith and which are not. See, there are desires that we will have that are no different to those who do not have faith. Perhaps like some mentioned before. And they're, they're, they're not necessarily wrong desires. But there are desires that come from faith. And I believe it is these desires. That Paul is praying that God would bring to fulfilment. So Paul prays for two things. And in verse 12 we see the two goals of these prayers firstly so that the name of the Lord Jesus may be glorified in you the goal of praying is that the Lord Jesus may be glorified in our life this this hit me some years ago I was um, praying repeatedly for God to take something away And and then I realised that that my primary drive and motivation in praying was was not primarily for the Lord Jesus to be glorified, but for this thing to be taken away so that I could feel better about myself. I, I was praying primarily to have my felt needs met, rather than praying primarily for the glory of Jesus Christ. And if our goal is for the glory of Jesus Then we will be praying the things that Paul has just prayed We want to pray first and foremost Not for what we perceive our needs to be But for the glory of Jesus Christ Because if we come to God to have our emotional and psychological and emotional needs met We may well come with our glass Half empty, feeling very hard done by. But if we come to God knowing our deepest spiritual need has been met, and with eternity in mind, we will be coming with our glasses full and overflowing with thanks in our heart, bringing glory to Jesus Christ and able to move on with hope. So the first goal is that the Lord Jesus may be glorified in our life. The second goal, that we will be glorified in him. Or we could say the glorification of believers. Now this is not to say that we live to glorify Jesus and Jesus lives to glorify us. Remember what we read from Romans 8. God predestined us, he called us, he justifies us and will glorify us. What does it mean for us to be glorified in Christ? It means to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And we say that this is to be the process of Christian living. That we become more and, and more, more like the Lord Jesus. Or more and more glorified. And in the end when we are perfected. This will not take away from the glory of Jesus. But as one writer has said, this will become the most spectacular means of bringing him glory. To think that, that, that we who were, were sinful and, and self-centered and rebellious have become increasingly like Jesus to the point... Where we are perfectly enjoying the presence of Father, Son and Holy Spirit. This can only happen through the power of the gospel. And so Jesus will be glorified through what he has done in us. And Paul ends all this happens according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. To live a life worthy of our calling. To see... Every good resolve fulfills. Does not ultimately rest on us. But on the grace of our God. And the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray together.